There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe, and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Hey guys, welcome back to Holistic Christian Prayer. The quote I just read to you is from one of my favorite books by C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. Ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? Well, this is the guy who also wrote that. He was an atheist who became a Christian and wrote over 40 books, many of which were Christian apologetical writings. The quote I read to you just a few moments ago seems to aptly describe people's opinions of the devil today. People either disbelieve in the devil and his demons, and sometimes mock those that do believe in his existence, or they see the devil's hand in everything, from murders to migraines. My goal in this episode is not to just be able to turn around and blame every little thing that happens to us on the devil. Sometimes bad things just happen. It's just a consequence of living in a, in a world of free will and people making sometimes good and sometimes bad decisions. Now, originally, this episode was supposed to be about how to know when you're hearing things from Satan, also known as the devil or simply as the enemy. But if you don't believe that Satan exists, or if you don't know much about who he is, it's unlikely that you will be able to discern when you're hearing from him. So, I think it's appropriate to start by telling you a few things about him, as well as convince you of his very real and destructive existence. And now it's time to know thy enemy. First things first, Satan has several names. Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, father of lies, the dragon, the serpent of old, etc. The most common names are Lucifer, Satan, and the devil. Most people I talk to and most of the authors I've read simply refer to Satan as the enemy. And for the sake of ease, I'll be referring to Satan and the demons that follow his orders as the enemy. I kind of lump the two together. It's kind of common to do that in Christian culture. We, we're not really trying to specify if it's Satan himself that is doing the harassment, uh, doing the talking to a person or not. It could very well just be a demon that follows Satan. So we just kind of lump them together and say the enemy. Most people I talk to and most of the authors I've read simply refer to Satan as the enemy. It's also not uncommon for Christians to refer to any demons as the enemy because all demons are following Satan in what he wants to do. They are also the enemy. So we just kind of lump them all together and say the enemy. So yeah, again, just referring to Satan and the demons that follow him as the enemy. And in the Christianese language, it's not uncommon to hear Christians referring to Satan as simply the enemy. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Christianese, what's that? Well, I know I brought this up in previous episodes, but I didn't really go into detail too much. I'm just going to kind of go off on a tangent just a little bit for you guys to explain it. Well, okay, so what is it? Well, first of all, it's not a real language like French or German or Cantonese. 
In reality, Christianese is a kind of dialect. Cambridge Dictionary defines dialect as, quote, a form of a language that is spoken in a particular part of a country or by a particular group of people that contains some words, grammar, or pronunciations that are different from the forms used in other parts or by other groups, end quote. Okay, that maybe was not helpful. Basically, Christianese is a way that Christians speak to other Christians within their religious culture that people outside of that Christian culture often find hard to understand. Christianese can be difficult to understand for a few reasons. First of all, it's full of biblical references, shortened or paraphrased scripture. Second, those shortened or paraphrased scriptures often require some understanding of the cultural and historical context of the original audience. That is, in order to understand the paraphrase, you need to understand what it originally meant, and that in itself can be challenging. Furthermore, in Christianese, it's not uncommon for two or more paraphrases to be joined together. I know I'm saying a lot here, and I'm kind of going off on this tangent, and unless you're some sort of like linguist or something, this is probably still confusing to you. I'll try to boil it down one, one more time here. Basically, Christianese is like a popular shorthand way that Christians speak to each other. And in order to understand it, you have to have a fairly substantial understanding of the Bible. And we can get into that on another episode, another time, knowing how to do Bible study. That's actually really important to knowing how to pray. We'll get around to that, I promise. Not sure when, but we'll get to it. So let me give you a quick example of Christianese and why it is difficult sometimes to understand. I know I'm going off on this tangent for a little bit, but I promise it'll be helpful because we're going to run into Christianese a whole lot. My goal is going to be to sort of dissect Christianese whenever we stumble upon it. So if I say some sort of phrase and it doesn't make sense to you guys, you know, send me a message, let me know, and I will try to break it down for you. I'm trying to make this podcast be a place where anyone can come and learn about how to enjoy prayer and to involve prayer more of their life. I want it to be for anyone from like, you know, the theology graduate with the master's degree all the way down to the person who's never even opened up a Bible. I want to be able to help everyone in between. So with that said, I will try to dissect any Christianese phrases that come up as I see them or use them. Let me give you a quick example of why the Christianese might get complicated and confusing. If I saw a girl with long, wavy black hair, I might, in an effort to pay her a compliment or to flirt with her, I might say, are you from Gilead? Because your hair is like a flock of goats. In order for that flirtation to be understood as flirtation, the girl I say this to would have to know two things, at least two things. One, this is a reference to Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1, which says, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Second, she would have to also know that at the time the Song of Solomon book was written, Goats in Gilead often had long, black, wavy hair. 
just like the girl I'm failing to flirt with. Now, gentlemen, I don't suggest that you use that line. It's pretty lame. Then again, what does a blue-haired single Christian guy know about effective flirting? Clearly not enough. Enough tangents. Let's talk some more about the enemy. Here's what Jesus had to say about Satan's character in John chapter 8, verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And consider what Jesus says of him in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A murderer, a thief, and a destroyer with no truth in him. A liar, the father of lies, in fact. He kills, he lies, he hates God, and he hates you. One last thing to know, which we will come back to later. In his skillful ability to deceive, he has also learned to disguise his voice. He's an expert mimic and a copycat. I forget where it says it, but scripture says that even the devil, even even Satan, even Lucifer, disguises himself as an angel of the light. Alright, so now to the second thing to know about Satan. God created the angels before creating the earth and mankind to worship him and serve him in a place called heaven. Angels are spiritual beings. They vary in their appearance, vary in their duties, vary in their rank, and they vary in how much power each angel holds. Satan was originally created by God to be beautiful in appearance, possess many skills, to be highly intelligent, given a high rank among all the angels, and given the duty of leading heaven in musical worship of God. Satan and the rest of the demons are all, technically speaking, still angels, but they are fallen angels. This is important to note because angels are spiritual beings, and even the weakest angel has power far beyond any human being. It's unclear exactly how much power Satan and the rest of the demons have, but even though these angels have fallen, they are still angels with great power, greater power than us. As spiritual beings, angels and demons can make themselves visible or invisible to humans. Additionally, a lot of the times that angels choose to make themselves visible to humans, they appear in a human-like form. The Bible even says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so some have unwittingly entertained angels. So, you might have spent time with an angel and didn't even know it. Some people claim to have the ability to see these beings, but for most of us, angels and demons are beings that remain unseen by us. So, just because you don't see an angel or a demon, it doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't around. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us when exactly God created the angels, or even when God created the heavens where God and the angels dwell, we do know, however, that God has always existed. 
and therefore God didn't begin to exist or have a beginning. Furthermore, everything that exists, has existed, or ever will exist, depends on God for its existence. As it says in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. This is important to know about who God is. He's beginningless, eternal, and everything that ever existed or will exist depends on God for its existence. Whereas God does not depend on anything for his existence, he's always existed. There hasn't been a point where he has not existed. Some people think of Satan as merely the evil equal and opposite force of God, but this is mistaken. In the first place, Satan was created a good being by God, and that means his existence depended upon God's power, and that Satan could not have always been the equal but opposite evil force against God. Satan rebelled against God at some point in the past, and it was only after that point that he became an adversary of God. In the second place, when it comes to the issue of who has more power, there is no contest. It's God. This is abundantly clear as we read through the Gospels. Some examples would be when Jesus comes to earth and preaches the kingdom of God, the demons beg him not to be harmed before the judgment they know is coming to them. In other places, uh, they ask Jesus to leave a man that they're possessing and going, going into a herd of pigs. And they have to get permission from Jesus in order to do it. And they do. And there's other plenty of places in the Bible where uh, demon-possessed people are confronted by Jesus, and those demons within them panic. They They can't stand to be in his presence. So, in terms of power and who has authority and who is really in control of anything at all, is God. And it's just, it's no contest. The demons and Satan are not even anywhere close to being as strong as God is. The book of Revelation makes it crystal clear. Satan and the fallen angels that obey him, also known as demons, have absolutely no hope of winning against God. God's power is vastly greater. Even though Satan and his demons know They will ultimately lose against God and fear the judgment God has proclaimed against them in advance. They fight against him anyways. You might be thinking, if they know they will ultimately lose, why does Satan and those who follow him even try? Well, I think it's probably one of two reasons and maybe even both reasons. The first is denial can be comforting in the face of impending doom, right? We, we know something bad's coming. Denial can be kind of uh, a comfort. The first is denial can be comforting in the face of impending doom. Maybe believing they can win and acting like they will win protects them from having to accept the reality of what's coming. I think it's because they can't convince themselves on the deepest level that they will win against God that they keep rebelling with ever-increasing fervor. Perhaps they think, if they just work hard enough, maybe there's hope for them. The second reason is, 
simply the blinding nature of pride. Pride makes small and weak things look bigger and stronger than they really are. The more powerful a being is, the more that pride will blind them to their actual power and ability. Another way to say that is, pride will cause a weak being to make smaller overestimations of their power, while pride within a stronger being will cause them to grossly overestimate their power. Now, Satan was created to be very powerful, so it would seem plausible that because of this, the effect of pride within Satan would cause him to overestimate the effect of pride within Satan would cause him to overestimate his power and ability to the level of absurd delusion. Before Satan turned against God and was kicked out of heaven, all angels resided in heaven. God created him to be good, but he later turned against God, turned a third of the angels in heaven against him, tempted and turned the human race against God, and actively works against God in any way he can to this day. Some might be asking, why did Satan rebel against God in the first place? Why the initial rebellion? Well, the traditional answer is, Satan somehow became prideful of his power, beauty, intelligence, and everything else that God gave him, that he decided he would set out to replace God and receive worship. So to kick God off the throne and take it for for himself. So to kick God off the throne and take it for himself. So Satan and those angels that followed him were kicked out of heaven and left to wander the earth. Sometime after creating the earth and after the fall of Satan, God creates human beings. Satan is particularly focused on human beings. God deeply loves all of us human beings and we are special to him. We are made in his image, and this is something that not even the angels share in common with God. In fact, nothing else in creation does. Being made in God's image is hard to explain, and I won't try to explain it in this episode. But what's important to know here is that we have something in common with God that no other creature has, something that puts us in a in a very close relationship to him, and the angels don't have it including Satan, and perhaps that is a touchy subject for him. God has a unique love for us that he does not have for the angels or for any other creature. He sees us as a crowning achievement of all that he's made, out of all the things that he makes throughout the Genesis account. He goes and he says, this is good, this is good, this is good, after he creates those things. After he creates man, he says, this is very good. And then in other places it talks about Uh, human beings, mankind being his like crowning achievement of, of creation, the thing that he's most proud of. So God has that unique love for us that he doesn't have for the angels or for any other creatures. And Satan hates God, but doesn't have the power to hurt him directly because God created him, God kicked him out of heaven, and uh, he has to get permission from God to pretty much do anything. Whatever power he has, it's only because God gives that to him. So, again, Satan hates God, but can't hurt him. So, Satan has his mind to destroying what God loves. Us. Satan and his demons are concerned with two major goals. Preventing people from believing in Jesus. 
and relentlessly harassing Christians or would-be believers in the hopes that the tribulations that Satan brings to them will cause them to abandon their faith, or at least make them as miserable as possible. He may not be able to turn us away from our faith in God, but he might make us less happy. In the next episode, we'll get into how you can tell when you're being attacked by the enemy, whether that's actually Satan himself or just one of his demons. I want to end on a positive note by saying that although real evil does exist in the world, and although those forces are strong, God's love and power is greater. If you feel that you're struggling against the darkness of the enemy, God's help is literally just a prayer away. Sometimes it takes prolonged prayer or consistent prayer with other believers before things get any better, but never believe the lie that God doesn't want to help you. Even if you're not yet a believer and you're experiencing darkness in your life, ask God for help. God is good to all and he is full of grace. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, so let him destroy the enemy's works in your life. Finally, it's Christmas time. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas, that you find happiness in spending time with those you love, and that you can find joy in giving to others what they need. Give to others often and without expecting anything back. I personally think that the best gifts we can give to others are the ones that they can't or won't give to themselves. For some people, that's conversation and quality time. For others, it's forgiveness. For others, it's having someone show they care by listening. And for others, it's simply needing a break. Above all, show love and compassion to all. Who knows, your hospitality might even entertain an angel of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those that are listening to this podcast. Thank you for everyone that you are bringing around to listen and to learn alongside with me. Father, I do ask that you bring others um, to this podcast that will be engaged in it. But Father, above everything, I just want to ask you that you keep my words true to what we find in Scripture, um, that I am being led by your Holy Spirit to speak truth and not just what I think or feel. Father, I just ask that anyone that's being attacked by the enemy now is able to recognize when it's happening and to be able to call it to you in in any time that they need the help and to feel that assurance that help will come if they ask. So Father, continue to use me and guide me. Keep this podcast going. Keep uh, listeners coming back even when I get busy, even when I'm tired. I know that that is a sure sign from from heaven that you are really behind this, that you're with with me on this. Um, Father, I just want to also ask that as people are coming here, that they are, and that people are able to have some relief from the attacks of the enemy. So Father, bless, bless everyone that listens to this. May we all have a Merry Christmas and help us to spend time being grateful for the gift that came to earth as a baby boy named Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.